What's up, everyone? My name is B, and you are listening to the Brand Eye Podcast. This podcast talks about navigating our 20-somethings, the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of our journeys, and learning to embrace every part of your story, because your life is your brand, and so many people would benefit from just seeing you live authentically. No one has all of the answers. We're all trying to figure it out. Hi everyone, I am so excited because this week I got the opportunity to sit down with Victoria Kappel. Victoria was a TA of mine when I took my public speaking course in undergrad and I'm so grateful to have met her because this class definitely fostered one of my most meaningful connections and I really value Victoria and just the perspective that she brings and she's a ray of sunshine and positivity. Um, Victoria is a founder of Connects, which is an organization that connects student athletes and individuals with special needs and allows them to connect through physical activity. It's a wonderful program, but she's also someone who just has so much wisdom. And every time I talk to her, I feel motivated. I feel rejuvenated. She is a queen of creating meaningful connections and working to connect all of the moving pieces in her life and mold them so that she's not just sleepwalking through life. Rather, she is living with meaning, living with a purpose. So I am certain that you will love what she has to say. Please be sure to check in with me. Let me know how you're doing and please like, rate, and subscribe to this show. Enjoy. Victoria, thank you so much for joining me. Brandy, it's so good to see you and be (laughs) with you, girl. You make me happy. So Can you tell us who you are? Who's Victoria? Well, I like to think about Victoria, me (laughs) in the third person, um, just as someone who wants to see everyone succeed and be happy. So when you meet me, I hope, and this is kind of awkward for me to talk about myself. I don't like to talk about myself, but I love talking about you. So anything that you don't say, I'll say for you because (laughs) I am a fan. I'm like a fan of yours. I'm fangirling. The feeling is mutual. (laughs) But when you meet me, I hope you walk away thinking that you feel better or that I evoked a positive feeling that you found yourself um, just from meeting me or hanging out with me. So I recently went to a meditation actually yesterday Mm -hmm. and we had the same prompt was what kind of legacy do you want to live? And not only do I want to be a fantastic sister, soccer coach, speech pathologist, future wife, I hope, future mom, I hope, but also just someone that even if you meet a stranger for five seconds, it's you can smile at me, I'll smile back, and you will just feel some type of sunshine, some type of brilliance. So, Which I always feel that. And has there ever been an instance in your life where something that has almost inspired you to want to be this person? Have you had an encounter where people have made you feel bad or you felt like you suck all of the energy out of the room? Like what makes you... Why are you so passionate about that? Absolutely. And it 
comes from the experience of seeing it, seeing someone treat someone poorly and you know how that person's receiving that message and you just want, well, I would just want to make sure that the message that I'm putting out in the world or putting out to a person is how I would want to receive it. Mm. So knowing that if I'm, if I want to feel kindness, I'm going to go ahead and be kind to that person. So, Mm. um, and you don't know other people's stories and you don't know where you're meeting them in their life. So if you can impact them for the better, because we all need that right now, Mm. then mission accomplished. I love that. (laughs) And before we get into the really, really good stuff, I have a super important question for you. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yes. All right. This is a pretty big question, so you might need time to think about it. But if you had the opportunity to choose between flipping a coin for a billion dollars or just taking a million dollars home right here, right now, what would you choose? Oh. (laughs) I told you. I'd probably flip the coin. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's Why? flip the coin. Why? Because if it's all my life I've had to work hard mm-hmm. for what I want. And if I was just given something, I don't think I'd be able to appreciate it. Mm. So if I flip a coin want and I'm not really sure how it's going to end Mm -hmm. I'll know that if it if it doesn't work out that's okay but if it does work out that's okay (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense it does but you know I have a hard time receiving gifts okay so if Even someone a just, billion dollars? Well, I mean, I, that would be a little weird. But, but if like, someone just said, here, here it is, and you didn't have to do anything for it, that'd be weird to me. Yeah. Um, so if it just if fell I, out of the sky, would mm-hmm. that be different? Like if it wasn't someone handing it to you, but it was like... If it fell out of the sky, I'd be like, where, who does this belong to? Let me try to find the owner. <laughs> You're so nice. <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that's a really good, really good question. It's... It's interesting because I always say that I would take the million and turn that into a billion because mm. why, like, imagine if you like were ready to quit your job or something. Like mm-hmm. if I have the opportunity of a billion dollars right in front of me, like there's a 50% chance I'll get it and then I don't get it. And mm-hmm. then I'm walking into every situation that like I could have just gotten myself out of. Like I'm looking at my debt. I'm, <laughs> I might cry. Uh-huh. Yeah. I also, uh, on that point too, I like how you said, take the million, turn into a billion. I was like, why didn't I think of that? That's so (laughs) so good. (laughs) But I think that that speaks to who you are as a person. You are someone who you have, in my mind, mastered the ability to take calculated risks. And if it doesn't work out, oh, well, you still find something good and like you still learn from it. Mastered's a strong word, Brandy. I am... (laughs) confident I'm not confident in a lot but I'm confident in that and like even where we are right now can right now we're sitting in your amazing condo it's beautiful I love it like it's amazing you didn't that that didn't just happen overnight right you took a chance Mm -hmm. can you talk about that chance that you kind of took yes so when I first decided to move out with my roomies, aka my parents, <laughs> I was looking and you don't really, 
people kind of tell you, okay, you're going to look at 20 places and it's going to take a long time and you'll know when you know. And when I walked in through here, this place is not, did not look like what it did when I worked, walked in here, mm-hmm. but it felt right. Mm-hmm. And I had to do some work to it, but after all said and done, it tests your patience. It tests your professionalism. It tests mm-hmm. your communication. It tests how you want to financially plan and who you want to help you and who you want to even walk in your door. And so there's a huge level of independence that comes with owning a place and making it what you want it to be. And I just want it to be a place that my friends and family can walk into and be comfortable and know that I am here for them. And this space is just relaxing and they can come here and eat a nice meal. They can rest. We can clink our wine glasses together and everything's going to be okay. That's okay. I love this because I'm noticing like an alignment. The your space aligns with the way that you think, like the, mm-hmm. your core values. Because mm-hmm. when we started this, you just said, like the feeling that your home gives you is a feeling that you want to give people. Oh, yes. That's really cool. Uh-huh. And what is also cool is it wasn't easy getting to this point. Right. There are a lot of obstacles. And can you talk about how you've been able to turn some pretty negative experiences in your life in general into the positive ones. Like how have they just created this amazing Victoria that I'm speaking with? Mm -hmm. It's a really powerful statement. I just had to tell myself, even though there's been tons of sleepless nights, (laughs) (laughs) that things are temporary. They're either temporary for a good reason or for a bad reason. Like I hate goodbyes, but, um, really, Oh yeah. Oh, I hate goodbyes. <laughs> but, um, I knew that it was a struggle at some points with this project. And I just knew that there was be good ahead. Mm-hmm. No different than when I was running a half marathon, I would be running up a hill. This was in Atlanta running up a hill. And I'm like, oh, what goes up must come down. What goes up must come down. And so that kind of fueled me to get up to the hill because I knew that the the downhill was coming and I could kind of relax a little bit. So yes, when you struggle with something and you're going through a hard time, you know that, oh, this stinks. Mm -hmm. I wish it wasn't this way. But then it grounds you too because Mm -hmm. you know that it's only temporary. Keep working hard. Good things will come. And now look at it. It's just kind of, it, it's perfect. Uh-huh. Oh, I love thanks. it. No, I really is perfect. And I'm mm-hmm. going to be sure to share pictures with everyone so that they uh-huh. can see. Um, but let's talk about that moment where that, that period or that season in our lives where we're in the, where we have to kind of cling to something positive to keep us going that, mm-hmm. which in your case, it was a, what comes up or what goes up must come down. Mm-hmm. In your life, when you've been in that season, that that season of waiting or that season of just having to work super hard and faith is not as easily as accessible, how have you been able to navigate that? What has gotten you through those moments? Professionally, this happened a lot when I was working in medical and I 
I would say I'm a religious person. Um, I'm also a spiritual person though too. So I like, I like to just hear opinions and hear things and read things and just kind of evaluate them on my own. But when I was in medical, especially because you see really hard cases and I was seeing really bad strokes, traumatic brain injuries, mm. um, with adults and children, I just cling to music and mm. worship songs and try to keep the vibe positive. So whatever my environment was, mm-hmm things that I could control, like what I'm listening to, the people that I interact with outside of work, trying to have the controls positive rather Mm -hmm. than kind of sulking and continuing to complain because that doesn't really do anything for (laughs) you. Yeah. So, um, but socially, getting out in nature, doing things that working out, working out the peloton mm-hmm. can i give a quick shout out to kelly gullickson because <laughs> without her on peloton i don't know what i'd be doing um and i can tell you're committed because i see like you have the shoes <laughs> and the, yeah yes you want to talk about a routine 4 50 a.m have peloton get some get some work mm-hmm. wow so are you aware of the topic or the idea of post-traumatic growth No, enlighten me. (laughs) So post-traumatic growth is basically when we go through really negative or hard experiences, we have this growth. You experience um, personal strength, closer relationships or deeper relationships, a greater appreciation for life, new possibilities, and spiritual development. So there's all of this like transformation following trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And that seems to almost be like something that you experience a lot because let's talk about when you were about to graduate, what did that look like? Cause that was a pretty crazy thing. I wanted to go into my master's to be a speech pathologist, which requires a master's degree. Mm-hmm. It's a very competitive program. So I applied to nine schools and wow. I decided that, you know what? My dream school was included in there because why not? Mm-hmm. The worst they can say is no. Mm-hmm. As acceptances were rolling in, And let's say, for example, we had to sign by April 15th. As acceptances were rolling in, I realized I got into my dream school. And then I also got into a few more and kind of put my feelers out to the schools that I got accepted to. One of the schools that I got accepted to, there was a connection knowing the soccer coach and um, definitely was exploring coaching on the team and seeing if there was any assistance that could come with that. So April 15th came, my dream school, Northwestern. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I decided, you know what, soccer and my passion for speech pathology could be great at this other school. So I decided to sign at the other school. And I told myself, you know, when I get my PhD, I'll go to Northwestern. So that, that'll be really worth it. But then come to find out that, you know, graduation was coming. I was the graduation speaker at Western. And two weeks prior to me giving the graduation speech and walking across the stage, I get a phone call saying, hey, everything that I promised you to go to this school and to coach soccer, I cannot give you. Oh, no. So I don't really know if that's traumatic, but at the time, you know, being that is a, traumatic. being a 21, 22 year old and you're like, oh my gosh, I just put my life on the line and yeah. got accepted to my dream school and denied that. But 
then I put my faith into someone else's hands and they kind of made that such a very bitter and frustrating experience. Mm -hmm. So it's not like trauma, like some other people experience trauma, but at that time it was huge. So it's still, it still is pretty significant, right? Because like thinking you're going to go down one path and finding out I, that's not even what I can do anymore. My options are limited. That's traumatic I think right and once you sign off to go somewhere you think you start visualizing this is what (laughs) life's gonna look like this is where I'll live this is what I'll do so that all came to a halt and then here I am two weeks later on the graduation stage at Western and giving my my speech and talking about the plot twist (laughs) the next day I get a phone call from Dr. Pete Jorgensen from the communication department at Western Illinois saying hey I heard your speech I believe you could be a teaching assistant be a professor in the department of communication and teach public speaking wow and do you want to get your master's and I said why not so you know two if you would (laughs) two weeks ago if you would have heard where I was and (laughs) (laughs) what I was thinking I was pretty upset but that moment of trial Mm -hmm. turned into being something that a decision that I will never regret and always remember and something that it's just shaped me of who I am and we wouldn't have met if that didn't happen yes you were my TA I was Uh what a sophomore yes oh my goodness Mm -hmm. yeah the best Student. Oh my goodness. Absolute best. Set okay, at the I'll front row. <laughs> you were in the prime of your 20s, like early 20s. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of shaped a lot for you because you ended up, after graduating from grad school, fast forward a few years, you mm-hmm. ended up working at one of the top institutions for your field, right? Mm-hmm. That was my dream job. That's huge. And like, mm-hmm. I wonder, had you taken the conventional path or the one that made the most sense? I'm sure you would still do that because you're a very intelligent person. So you would definitely achieve that dream. Mm -hmm. But I wonder like what it would have meant to get to that place of this is my dream job. Having like gone through something that was, it was hard. I won't, Mm -hmm. you know, I won't invalidate that experience, but it was just like their traditional way. But you got there in such an unconventional way. What does that mean to you? And what lessons do you take from that? Unconventional in the speech pathology world is strong. I just because I feel like we don't really know the population we want to work with. Hmm. So speech pathologists, we can either work in the schools with kids, or in medical, with either peds all the way through adults. So for me, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. In grad school, we had a class of twenty girls, and everyone knew the population they wanted to work with, except me. But I also wanted to prove that a lot of the girls wanted to go to schools and I knew that, okay, to be in medical, you have to have this other level of skill of being efficient and effective with what you say and how you say it because medical time moves by quickly, very Mm -hmm. quickly. You get an email, you have to respond. It's, um, people's lives are on the line. Um, so with that, I set out the goal to be in medical, but I also knew that I initially, when I graduated, I did not want to be in Illinois. I wanted to be 
outside of the state. My family's rooted to Chicago. So I wanted to just explore on my own. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where that piece of just searching your soul for if you're meant to be somewhere, this is where you should be. Kind of like, what, what is the universe telling me? What is soul searching? I always call it soul surfing. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that look like for you? What did that process look like? Like, did you, as a younger 21 year old, or even, I mean, I guess 23 at the time, like, Mm -hmm. did you sit down and say, I'm going to do some soul searching and come up with an answer? Did life kind of force you to go through that process? Well, first I bought a dog because every, (laughs) every girl who's soul searching needs a dog, right? Yes, true. (laughs) Except I say, if I get a dog, I need a dog nanny. So yes. Ooh, that neighbors coming to play there. (laughs) But, um, no, I just wanted to see what else was outside of what I knew. Mm -hmm. And I did something that my parents have never done before, which was just to move away. And, um, I moved to Georgia and had a house on a lake with a dog and Wait, you had a house wow excuse mm-hmm. me in the middle of the blue ridge mountains wow. Oh, wow it was beautiful so that for me is soul searching where you move out on your own mm-hmm. and you independently make decisions that um kind of open up doors and avenues mm-hmm. for example every <laughs> friday after work i would go to the gym And then I would have a dirty martini at this really nice place, just at the bar. I'd have one dirty martini and leave. And for example, one night, this guy was talking to me to my left, did not want to talk to him at all. (laughs) But the nice older gentleman to my right knew that I was trying to get out of that conversation. And so he diverted the attention over to his direction, which was fantastic. And I now, to this day, call him Uncle Bob. Oh, wow. So that facilitated a great connection and started my Georgia family. And he introduced me to a couple other people and families. And now I see them probably two or three times a year. So one decision turned into something else. And that's how you, my soul, felt satisfied just knowing that I can walk in somewhere and just meet a friend yeah. and then see that friendship flourish and know that when it was time for me to move back to Chicago, I still had my coworkers back in Georgia who mm-hmm. I absolutely love and adore and still get Christmas cards and phone calls and texts Aww. from them. So soul searching is a very dynamic and continuous process and it's so much fun. Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Like sometimes the <laughs> ugly parts. I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. Um, mm-hmm. And connections mean a lot to you. Yes. Um, and it seems like when I think about health for you, connections, like meaningful connections, are a very important part of leading a healthy lifestyle in all aspects of your life. But how else would you define health? Like, how what does health look like for you? Ooh, good question. Lately, I've been exploring more with the meditation, Mm -hmm. the quieting the mind and more of the mental part of it. Because as a student athlete, as a college athlete, as a professional athlete and now a coach, we don't really realize how much we have to train our brain before we even start training our physical body. Mm -hmm. So for me currently, I like to be physically active, moving my body not trying to order out more, cooking for myself, Mm -hmm. but then also providing and stimulating my mind where 
I take that moment of pause. There's power in a pause Mm -hmm. where you can just relax and decompress Mm -hmm. and provide the positive mantras that you need and know that if you're in the feels, feel those feels and feel those feels until you feel the feeling that you, in my opinion, should feel, which is positive and happy. Yeah. So joy, finding joy. I love it. Mm -hmm. And the last episode, I interviewed a dietitian named Steve. Mm-hmm. Amazing. He ended up like starting his own company, wildly successful in his 30s. Wow. But I asked him the question that I asked you at the beginning about the coin. Uh-huh. And Steve answered that he would take the million. And I was like, wow. I, every guy that I've interviewed so far or like asked this question, they've all said, I'm flipping the coin without a doubt. Like all really? the guys. Yeah. Someone told me all guys are going to say they flipped the coin. And I was like, huh. no. Steve was the one who said I would take the million. And I was asking him, like, why? What's your reasoning behind that? And he said that he was like, if a billion dollars wasn't in the question, a million would be more than enough. And like, Mm. yeah. And so I thought about like, wow, it's interesting how our mindsets, like, you can kind of tell someone's mindset by answering that question. I also think it's healthy that you, for you, what health looks like for you is like taking a chance, understanding like, here are the things that I won't negotiate on or that Mm -hmm. I won't um, compromise, but like, here's what I'm going to take a chance on. Mm -hmm. And like, I think it shows a lot that like you are satisfied with where you're at because for me, I'm like, I'm taking the million. Like I want to play the, I want to take the safe route. Right. (laughs) And, And that's a good point too, being satisfied. And I think there's a fine line between satisfied and settling. Oh, Victoria. I feel Uh attacked. (laughs) <laughs> no, this is really <laughs> because if we're satisfied, is it temporary and then we're going to achieve more or are we settling and we're just going to stay there? Mm. And for me, I, you will never hear myself describing myself as settling because, Ooh, Ooh, I do not settle. Have you ever settled? Ooh, I, I almost did. <gasps> I almost did. The tea. The T sounds a little uh, hot. You know, it has to do with a guy, doesn't it? Oh, no. Oh, guys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just, even Ted Lasso, have you heard of the TV show? Have you seen the TV show? I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Yes. Okay, yes. He says, don't you dare settle. Don't you dare settle for anything that's fine, I believe. Something like that. And when I was a teaching assistant, I had a sign in my office that said, don't you dare settle. Really? Mm-hmm. Because if you settle, you're just, are you really getting better? And you were just, you just grew up like that? Like, I'm not going to be a settler or really? I think so, yes. I mean, as, a, as an athlete, you can always get faster. You can always, as a goalkeeper in soccer, I could always catch that ball that goes into the goal. So I will never say that I am the best. I will never say that, oh, this is good enough. No, there's always room for improvement. And being a goalkeeper... It's always, I think it's fascinating because you have to know the game. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people think that that's the place where you can go and be lazy, but you have to be super fit. I think like yes. the argument is like midfielders are the most fit, but I think goalkeepers actually have to be the most fit and then you have to be on your toes. So thanks girl. I, I appreciate you. And I used to, I was a goalkeeper. Yes. So I thought I could just go back there and sit down and settle. Mm-hmm. But like my dad was like, Oh no, you're like the brains of the field. Like yes. you're the coach on field. So you don't get a break. Um, you're the brains. You're the psychologist. You're the 
you need to know how your yes you need to know how your players work and how they'll react to what you say and do and every thing you say will have a reaction and you want it to be the best in the moment and beyond so yeah and when is a time that you went against your core value uh of not settling and you settled and what were the implications mm. or you could talk about when a time when you almost settled and then you're like Whew, so glad i didn't anything Ooh, i think um, special, can I turn this into a dating question? Oh, I love dating <laughs> questions. <laughs> We're oh, going there. Getting all, like, We're giddy. going there. <laughs> no, I feel like in relationships there t- comes a time and it's not like I have so much experience in this, but there's a time where things get comfortable mm-hmm. and it's great for things to be comfortable, but you, well, I say you, I like the excitement. Yeah. So there came a point in my life where I was with someone and I was being taken for granted and I didn't know it at the time because in my head and you're, I feel like Brandy, you're the same way where we're just so nice and kind that we don't really see it until either someone points it out to us or it's so blatantly obvious. Right. So, or we do, but we don't want to come off as judgmental or it's like, Oh, you know, right. Right. Um, because we just want to leave people positive and happy. And so, um, when push came to shove and certain things were being said to me that I knew weren't correct, I would vocalize them and it would come back to me as that I was just, I was not perceiving what that other person said correctly (laughs) and a couple other words in between there. (laughs) So that's when you have to put your foot down and say, I definitely know I'm not like this. This other person is defining me in the most incorrect way. Therefore I can no longer stay with that person because Mm -hmm. they're at that point, they're not helping you. They're hurting you. Mm. End of story. (laughs) Wow. I love this. So you were able to set a boundary that's pretty hard to set. Totally. Because how many people, how many girls in their 20s think they meet the man of their dreams? He's making a ton of money, can quote unquote provide for you in the future. And we kind of fall for that and fall for the the foo-foo, the things that they have that we like and we want to be a part of our future and then you realize that that person who could provide all that is actually toxic yeah do you really want that yeah no no it's really hard too Mm -hmm. because i don't know if you felt this but like i'm sure that there's a time where you're doing so well in your career you got you have a house on a lake in georgia you're in your early to mid 20s and it's like oh the only thing i'm missing is like you know like the ring should be coming next but i was single i was single with a dog and the only thing that i was saying to myself on that dock on the lake was i wish i could share this moment with someone right and Mm -hmm. so like i feel like then when a someone comes and he has like Oh, wow. He looks like a provider. He's smart. Right. You know, he can 
take care of me, it's like, oh, okay, I'll kind of like ignore everything else. Or you have to put up with exactly, stuff. exactly. And then you have to go back to the root of who you are and what you will accept and what you will not accept. So, ladies, keep our standards <laughs> high at all times. And what's the difference between high and healthy standards and unrealistic standards? Great question. The gut feeling. So if you have realistic standards, those standards should one, help you as a person, two, help that other person as well, but then three, make you two together a team to be even better people than you already are. Yeah. If it's toxic, then it's only benefiting one person in the party and the party together is not getting better. Yeah. But you might see emotions of selfishness, of I can't even think of a, a mean like something just negative energy yeah. that's coming that's resulting jealousy envy um and then that would make your gut feel so dysregulated and not right and yeah you can feel it you know that gut yeah. gut feeling oh, yeah i know the, mm-hmm. <laughs> know the gut feeling mm-hmm. but when i try to ignore all the time yeah i yes. know yeah i know well <laughs> and what about so what is the greatest lesson that you've learned from dating Okay. Let's hear. I've got it. Okay. That my, was quick. My word of the year and something that I've taken from experience. Okay. Secure. <gasps> secure. I know that I know myself mm-hmm. and I know what I can provide for myself. And I'm not trying to sound pompous at all. No, not at all. But if a guy comes into my life and he can fit like a puzzle piece, mm-hmm. great. I also know that if a guy leaves, great. Yeah. I still know myself and can be confident in who I am and continue to impact the lives around me professionally, socially, mm-hmm. um, with my couple ideas and adventures that I have. But that, that's it, just being secure with yourself. Yeah. Um, not looking for attachment and trying to find some part of me in someone else. Mm-hmm. So feeling that love within is crucial because how many people find the love externally and then they get super duper crushed. And honestly, it's hard because I dated someone and we broke up and something that he told me was basically like, I knew what you Brandy could provide for yourself. And I knew that at that time I couldn't provide that for you. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't holding you back and I could get my stuff together and then maybe come back. And I was like really annoyed with that because I'm like, okay, but you know, I tell my pastor everything, maybe a little too much, but I was talking to her and she was like, that's a good thing. Like you want someone who's going to consider that because you don't want to resent someone and you know, later, later down the line, or you want to know that like someone values who you are and your standards. So I think that that's great that you said that. I love that. Let's talk about the word intimidation. Do you think he was intimidated by you, Brandy? So intimidation is hard because I think, I think of that as like a negative, like, I don't want to see you. Well, Mm. actually maybe not. 
Because I don't think that he was intimidated, but I think he knew, like, she's, she's, like, in a different stage in her life, and I'm working to get there. And so, like, I have respect for that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, is that, like... Yeah. <laughs> I be, so, put it in a uh, athletic stance, right? Okay. So... If someone says, oh, you're intimidating, they look at you. So physically, yes. like as a goalkeeper, who's taller, who's got broader shoulders. Oh, that, oh, she's intimidating. You get me every time. I didn't want to say yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, that word intimidation, I would hear a lot yeah. on the soccer field, uh, close to the soccer field off it. But then also at school growing up, you know, I would try to, you know, look nice and I would still be labeled as intimidating yeah. to guys and it's just like okay and to this day I get questions of oh I'm so are, are you are you intimidating me or and it's just like yeah no. I can't stand that it's just confidence and intimidation have two separate boxes in my opinion mm-hmm. and I feel like um for people who are not confident intimidation comes easy mm. What do you think? I think that that's so true because mm-hmm. even just outside of the dating life, if people are intimidated or even if we're intimidated by someone else, we can act out in a really negative way if we're mm-hmm. not able to acknowledge that it's intimidation. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And then Ooh. another along the line of that is emotional intelligence. You're preaching. Oh my God. That's my favorite. I love, I love a person, especially a man with emotional intelligence. Keep going, girl. <laughs> you started Snaps. it. You started it. No, so let's define emotional intelligence. I have the definition. Oh, yeah, I want to. You look ready. <laughs> it's to beware of control Sorry. and express one's emotions and handle relationships judiciously and empathetically. Okay, can you repeat that one more time? One more time. Okay. Emotional intelligence is to be aware of, control, express one's emotions, mm. and handle relationships judiciously mm. and empathetically. Deep. Very deep. Something I'm still trying to work on. You? Emotional intelligence. I feel like you're so emotionally intelligent. No? Well, I mean, I guess we all have room for growth, but... Room for growth, um... I'd say professionally, yes, but then also, I also just want to know some good jokes offhand that could make me look emotionally intelligent too. <laughs> but what do you think? Are you emotionally intelligent? I like to think that I am. Mm-hmm. I think there are moments when I realize, like, okay, you're not being fair. Like, mm-hmm. even in that relationship I just kind of talked about there were often situations where my needs came first and it was like pressure to provide for me, which is why I'm like, I can't see what you're talking about, you know? Uh Um, And so although I try, I know that there are often times like the places that I'm not at home with myself, I like to say, Mm -hmm. or I'm not able to take sacred pause and I just kind of like rush through it. Mm -hmm. That's when I make the least emotionally intelligent it's valid. It's valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. It's hard. So have you heard of Viktor Frankl? No. So he's back, I believe in the 1940s. He was a neurologist and a psychiatrist. Definitely look him up if okay. you haven't. Uh, but so he 
believed, he has a great quote, but I'll tell you, he believed that humans are motivated by something called a will to meaning. So Mm. that's the desire to find meaning in life. And he breaks down meaning by three things. Okay. Work, love, and courage to face difficulty. Ooh. So along the lines of emotional intelligence, when someone says something to us, Viktor Frankl has this, the greatest quote. He says, between a stimulus and a response, there is a space. And that space is our power to choose oh. our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Pretty oh, profound, Victor. right? Mm-hmm. Now I see why you're Victoria. You know, I, I see it. I see. Okay. Wow. But I think that's been huge. And as a coach, you know, that, that has really shaped my mindset of a player comes to you and they say something to you. And in that pause, before you say what you want to say or what you're thinking, you need to really take that pause and decide what's my motive? Mm. What do I want to achieve when I say my response? I think that's huge and so profound. Oh my gosh, I love that. So that's a part of emotional intelligence that I think of when I think of um, emotional intelligence and this quote, Yeah. the space of the response. And also knowing that silence is a response. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, that's amazing. When is a time where you haven't utilized that space? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> My parents. <laughs> I okay. mean, we all get to that point when I don't like to get upset at my parents, but you know, if they, if someone's pushing your buttons, it's definitely my mom just to make me better. And then, you know, you say th- something that you didn't mean and right. then I apologize and she understands. But, um, yeah, it's definitely with a familiar person other than rather than, um, someone who's a friend or a coworker or a stranger. So, huh. so the closer you are, the harder it is to practice that. Uh-huh. Do you agree with that? I'm thinking. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It just hit me. Yeah. Like my sister. Oh. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it just comes out. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oop. I mean, I meant to say it, but not like that. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. It's just with those super familiar, loving people. I'm sorry. You just have me kind of <laughs> take I a love moment. That. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm actually going to be mindful of that. Um, I love that. And what do you think has been the greatest, most valuable thing that you've learned just throughout your 30 years of life? Cause like you're the dirty 30 now. Almost. Yes. Yes. Ooh. What have I learned? Okay, I've got a few. Yeah. But what's, the, what's like the number the, one one? The number if one. Like, if someone said you only have one to get, like I'm only allowing you to give me one, what would it be? And this is the one thing that, repeat the question. The greatest, most valuable lesson that you've learned. Where you invest your love, you invest your life. <gasps> Mumford and Sons. I, you're like a like a, a thing of walking quotes. I love it. Where you invest your love, 
you invest your life. And you invested your love into finding a home and creating a home, not just a physical one, but like for your life to be a home. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's amazing. Right. So, and I invest, so before becoming a speech pathologist, I invested my love in soccer, being a college athlete and seeing how that raised me. And once I became a speech pathologist, something was missing in my soul and I was Mm -hmm. trying to search for it. And I found it in coaching soccer again. I could be who I knew I was, kind of lost after I was done with soccer, but Mm -hmm. found it again in coaching. And I also did that through founding an organization at Western called Connects. Mm -hmm. I knew I had a passion in individuals with disabilities and in sports. And I was trying to find a way to mesh and bring them together. Mm -hmm. And investing my love in those two passions brought together Connects, C-O-N-N-E-C-K-S, just a field, field events that we can bring all the student athletes to and all individuals with disabilities in the surrounding area to come and bond in a skill, a drill, and a game and then have the connections flourish from there. So, and that just instills love. I mean, my heart's melting right now just describing it. So knowing that what we are mentally investing in, physically surrounding ourselves with, that's that's what we love and that's our life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And connection is something I think that since I've known you, that's just been a theme in your life. Like you are someone who is always making a meaningful connection. And those connections have also opened doors for you. You didn't set out to make the connections for, you know, to like, so that you could gain something from it. Mm -hmm. But even with where you're at now, like this job that you got, can you talk to us about how you got that job? Because I love that story. It makes me smile. So I'm a beverage car girl in the summertime and I was just helping an outing out and met a superintendent at a school and he goes, Hey, is this your full-time job? And I said, no, I'm a speech pathologist. He goes, well, do you, are you looking for a job? Do you need a job? And I said, actually, yes, I am looking. And so from there, he asked me for my resume and that got me the job that I have today. So you just never know who you'll bump into or I guess the lesson is starting off on the right foot with anyone you come Mm -hmm. in contact with because you never know the connections that they might have in order to help you. So, and I mean, I know that you weren't passionate about working. You call it like a weenie cart. I'm a weenie girl. I worked at a weenie cart. Like that wasn't your passion, but your passion was, it it, it is building connections Mm -hmm. and you follow that passion and that passion has opened so many doors for you. It has. Yes. That's amazing. I've made so many friends and have so many stories from just selling beer and weenies. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? And you're not above it. No. You oh, have no what? Way. You have a master's degree. Uh-huh. And like, you're not above it. That's what I love. Like, you're just following that passion of yours. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know do what we can (laughs) and you're doing great you make me so happy um 
And you know that we're at time. It feels like we've only been talking for five minutes. I Seriously. I talking to you. We're at time? No way. Yeah. And so oh. what would you say the tradition is you have to provide the audience with a quote of mm-hmm. the week and then a question or homework assignment of the week. So okay. we're ready. So I'm going to hit you with a Ted Lasso quote. Okay. Love it. Be curious, not judgmental. Mm. That kind of lies within the Viktor Frankl quote too of someone tells us something, we're going to be curious and not judgmental when we, we respond, right? Yeah. So that comes from Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental. And then the to-do, y'all can join me. Okay, I'm scared. <laughs> we'll see if I join. No, I'm kidding. This may or may not have been said on the podcast before. I hope not, but call someone who has impacted your life. Maybe first write a couple bullet points down because you may go on a tangent or go down a path and then call that person up because I know that we love to text and we're quick texters, but connect with that person face-to-face preferred or call them. Tell them how much that person means to you and then wait for that response. And in that response, your heart might melt. So try it. It's, I love that. It's, you have to be vulnerable. You have to you know, say a couple of things that you might not be comfortable with, but I guarantee you that that person that's receiving the message will absolutely love it. How has that been for you? I think I should invest in Kleenex stock. <laughs> that's what I think. That's no, totally it just, it, it really makes your heart glow and makes your soul bright when your intention is to tell someone how much they mean to you. And then in response, I think y- you hear a message that's even greater than the one that you put out there. So yeah. it's been awesome. Victoria, thank you so much for hanging out with thank us. You, you make my heart, truly, you make my heart so happy. And I'm so glad that we get to share just even a small piece of your sunshine with the listeners because a piece of your sunshine goes a million miles. So thank well, you for joining us. Oh, and I appreciate you. I, I appreciate you too. And I have to sing your praise really quick, oh, no. Brandy. Okay, we're going to hit stop. We're <laughs> going to talk about connections and think about the oh. connection that we had as a teaching assistant and a student. And now how many years later? Oh, goodness like nine eight or nine eight or nine years later you are here and we're connecting we're continuing to connect face to face that is so profound and thank you for doing what you're doing because you have your future is limitless I did not say that I'm excited for you keep (laughs) up the great work my friend and thank you everyone for tuning in I'll talk to you next week